Servus and welcome to another episode of the Pro Hockey Pod, episode 21, Einan Swanseg. This week, back to another college athlete. Um, a couple weeks ago, for those listening, you would have known that Josh Jarris was on this podcast, a good friend of mine. So I decided, who better than to have uh, his college roommate, one of them on the podcast and a uh, goalie as well. So someone I can relate to. We ended up playing one game against each other. Don't ask me how it went. But uh, this guy's been playing pro a long time in North America, um, was able to get some NHL games under his belt, and uh, yeah, has been one of the most consistent, I would say, uh, AHL goalies, professional goalies uh, over his career, and I believe we can learn a lot from him. So welcome to the podcast, Troy Grosnick. Hey, Harris, thanks for having me, man. Perfect. Um, As I said before, like we always go back to, you know, how it started for you. So born in Brookfield, uh, Wisconsin, is that, is that where you grew up and first learned to, to play hockey? Yeah, it is. Uh, I, my parents are actually season ticket holders for the Milwaukee Admirals, um, which obviously we'll get to later, but, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I grew up going to games. My first hockey stick was a broken Admiral stick that got handed to me. Um, and that just grew my love of the game. And uh, when I was probably six or so years old, uh, my my parents let me uh, get into skating and, and my first hockey practices. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I was in Brookfield uh, basically my entire life all the way through high school. And I'm always curious when talking to a fellow goalie, like what made you want to become a goalie? You know, I, I like can't even put my exact finger on it. I think I was always intrigued by um, the position, but I it honestly started out just in I, I wasn't the kid that was like obsessed with goalie gear or anything like that. Like I uh, I think it was my first or second year playing. I our, our goalie was going to be out of town. And so I said, I'll give it a shot. And um we were playing a pretty good team. It didn't go like great, but uh, it went decent. And then the next year we didn't have a goalie and I was the only one that kind of like volunteered like, Hey, I'll play goalie. And, um, ended up, you know, kind of diving into it and falling in love with it and uh, been a goalie ever since. That was when I that was like, I think my first full year playing goalie was like second year might. So uh, been doing it for a long time and, um, if I would go back and change things, I don't think I would have committed to playing goalie at that young of an age. I would have probably wanted to, um, at least, you know, play 50, 50 play out and play goalie and, um, just become a better skater. But, uh, that was the way it kind of happened for me and it worked out. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know exactly the, if, if there was one thing that I was like, yeah, I want to be a goalie, but, uh, I, I, I know my dad, like always, um, for whatever reason, like always kind of like that position. And I don't know if that's kind of what ended up steering me toward it, but my dad didn't play or anything. He just, uh, like when he would talk about goalies and he would have street hockey gear for me and my brother to shoot on him and stuff like that. So I don't know if that kind of influenced me too, but I can't put my finger on one thing. It was kind of, uh, you know, we, we need a goalie and I was the kid that was willing to do it. 
It's a cool story, but you also raised like a good point that kind of relates to me and I think relates to a lot of goalies out there is, you know, maybe starting at too young of an age, like fully committing to it, as you said, because one rule, at least I have with my parents was they were like at 10 years old, like you can make a decision, but until then you're going to do both because like, like you brought up, I do believe that for the skating aspect of it, it is good to to still play out at times, whether it's, you know, rotating during the year or even in the summer, because obviously North America, there's ice all year round, tons of summer leagues. But I feel like that goes into the development too, and that it will translate to your your goalie game down the road. Like you'll have the ability to kind of have the two different types of footwork, like the footwork needed for playing out slash playing the puck as a goalie, but at the same time for, you know, being able to tee push, shuffle, move laterally in the net. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head, like just the different movements and being able to be basically confident on your edges, no matter what position you're in, I think is massive, um, especially the direction our position is going in. It's all edge work. Um, you know, I think it, like there was always like a running joke whenever I would just skate with my friends, like it looked like I had goalie pads on because I was always wide and like wouldn't bring my heels together when I like had took an actual stride or anything like that. So I think just in terms of, you know, your your skating mechanics and overall just bodily development, I think it's better to <clears throat> wait before you're uh, specializing, um, not only in just a sport, but in a specific position. No, I definitely agree. I wanted to ask you too about when you were like learning to play and obviously coming up, as you said, was were you going to goalie schools at, at these young ages as well? Yeah, I uh, I went to the Rick Hines goalie schools every summer. Uh, they would make like I think there was two weeks they would stop in Milwaukee. And uh, I think every summer from that summer that I was like, OK, I'm going to play goalie full time all the way through like my high school years, I was either in the camp as a, as a, you know, student or towards, once I got older, I was actually one of the instructors, um, at the Rick Hines goalie school when I was in Milwaukee. And, uh, yeah, so I went to that camp every summer and my dad who didn't play hockey at all or anything, um, but had a job where he could kind of make his own hours. He would always come over and take kind of an extended lunch break and watch from the stands. And, uh, so he would pick up drills and, um, he kind of became my goalie coach during the hockey season. And, uh, so he had, he had all this stuff down. He didn't know exactly what he was doing, but it worked out. Um, and a lot of credit to him. Like I, uh, definitely look up to him as a, as a role model in how to raise my own kids. And, uh, I mean, what he did for me, just taking that little time off of work, just to learn something that he had no clue about, but I obviously had a passion for, um, you know, I think that's a lot of the reason why I made it to where I made it to. So, um, yeah, the Rick Hines goalie schools was, that was pretty much my only true like goalie coaching, um, for a long time. We didn't have, you know, a ton of hockey resources in the Milwaukee area at the time as and even fewer when it came to goalies. So um, as I got older, they became more and more. Um, but uh, just the family like position like I was in, it wasn't like I was going to a, a goalie instructor, you know, once or twice a week or anything like that. It was pretty much, you know, the one or two weeks during the summer and 
than uh, when my dad could get on the ice with me and run me through some of the drills that he saw. Shout out to, uh, you know, your dad, especially, but uh, also all the other dads out there. It's crazy. Like the, the family sacrifices and like, like you said, like my dad would do something similar in terms of coming to watch me. We wouldn't do any drills or anything, but you know, your dad, as you said, probably didn't understand fully, like all the drills, how to, what they were maybe working on, but he was just taking notes, making an effort so that he could help you during the year. And you know, as you said, a lot of credit to him. And I, I do believe that probably is a big reason, you know, why you are where you are. And I'm happy that you're going to, you know, hopefully model your parenting in that aspect, whatever sport or whatever your kids get into. Um, you're always known for being like, at least when I would watch you and still watch you now, like, I think you're a very athletic goalie. Like you're, you're able to, you know, make some pretty, pretty athletic saves like so when you were growing up like were you playing other sports as well trying to stay involved in everything or was it strictly hockey yeah i was i played a lot of other sports i think actually if you would talk to my parents too they would say like most of my time growing up i was probably actually a better baseball player than i was a hockey player um so those were my two big sports growing up were hockey and baseball um but i kind of try i dabbled everything right i played a little bit of soccer when I was really young. Uh, I think I played fifth grade football and had to stop in sixth grade because it interfered with hockey. Um, and then, I mean, I never played organized basketball or anything, but it seemed like if anytime I was over at my friend's house like that, we were shooting hoops, doing whatever. Um, and I was just in general, like an active kid, always doing something, but um, baseball and hockey were for sure my sports. And it was, you know, once spring rolled around, like my focus was more on baseball. And then once fall rolled around again, my focus was more on hockey. And it was like that all growing up. Um, I played varsity baseball, like in high school. And um, so it was, it was, I mean, towards the end of high school, definitely there's the focus shifted more towards hockey, but I was still playing both. Um, and I think that's really important too. I think we kind of touched on it is, you know, you're not specializing. Um, I think if I would have been playing hockey literally all year round, like I, I would in the winters, like I would have burned out. And uh, I actually even talking to some friends that are like physical therapists and stuff like that. And they're seeing like overuse injuries. It's not just hockey players, but uh, here in Minnesota, obviously it is mostly hockey players, but even kids that are just playing baseball year round, just overuse injuries happening younger and younger because kids are, you know, specializing a little too soon and i think um not only to prevent injury but develop overall athleticism having you know more than one sport that you're focused on or uh playing in general is is critical and i think um when it comes to my athleticism in the net i think a lot of it has to do with that like uh playing baseball and 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 just in general being outside and playing all the time with my friends. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like, uh, part of it is I I'm the type, I'm kind of a visual learner too. So like, if I see someone doing something, I generally can pick up on it pretty fast. That's why like, I never was taught how to shoot a basketball, but I think I can shoot it all right. Like I'm not, I'm not an insane three point shooter or anything, but I can, hold my own on a basketball court, stuff like that. Um, 
And then the last part of it, I think it comes back to that fact that I wasn't ever, I didn't have like that true like goalie coach, right? Like I, and once I did have like a, a true goalie coach, I was lucky that it was someone that let me be me. Right. And, um, don't take like, don't take the person out of or, or what I'm good at. Don't take that out of my game just because it doesn't look normal, quote unquote. Right. And, uh, I, I, I do like try to put more structure into my game. And that's been a thing since I was probably 18 years old is trying to develop more structure. And I think that's always kind of helped me to, to progress is adding structure, but um, being able to have that athletic fallback um, I think is, has been really important in my career. And I think some of it, it has to do with playing all, all those sports and, and being active. And then uh, like some of it honestly just comes down to, I, I was never really like taught, like, this is how you do this. And it was, you know, trial and error. Like this feels right. Like I'm going to do it. Lots to dig in there. Um, first about the, the, the overuse and, and, and hockey sometimes, especially you see like playing so long in the overuse of muscles. Like I definitely see that now. I think everybody has that wrong impression in their head that, you know, more means better where an actually like less could mean better. Like, and I, like you, I played baseball as well. And I thought it was great, like for us, especially being goalies. So like you're good for your reactions, you know, you're using your, your glove in both sports. Um, so that was definitely a good pause from hockey, but at the same time, you're still working on reaction stuff. And, uh, it definitely helped. I felt like I was always had a really good glove because of that. Um, then yeah, the goalie coaching part, like I've always been under the influence. You don't want to, take away something that works so for yourself if you're a really athletic goalie and it works for you you know can we add structure to it or can you you know tinker with something sure but don't ever take away from something that you've been known doing and i and on a personal experience i know that that sometimes is mistaken where people believe there's only one way to play goalie which is not true um it's very adaptive it's very you know if it works there's nothing, you know, nothing to tinker with. Don't, don't try to fix what's not broken, I guess I would say. So, uh, I'm glad you feel the same way about that. And, you know, someone like yourself, that's obviously played at higher levels than, than me. And it's, it obviously works for you. So I think that's a clear sign to the younger generation, like, you know, learn what you can, but at the same time, like if you're really good at something, you know, stay true to that and just tinker with things. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right with you. Like, I think the best thing, um, you know, and I actually it was my, it was my goalie. I'm still with him today. Like we're, he's still my goalie coach in the summer. His name's Pete Samardra. Um, I, it was actually when I went to Cedar Rapids is when I first started working with him, but his whole thing was like, we're just adding tools into your toolbox. That's all we're doing. And, you know, your hockey sense is going to tell you in a game, like what, what am I going to pull out of the toolbox to do, do this job? And it's a split second, obviously, decision. But the more tools I give you, the more and the more you're comfortable using those tools, you know, that's just going to expand your game. And I think that's really true. Um, I think for me, like how I've noticed it is, you know, every time I make a 
like a step up in my career, um, I kind of fall back to the athletic side, right? And then once in that step of my career, like the first and second save, I'm able to make, you know, with structure. And then it's the third save I have to rely on the athleticism. Like that's when I know I'm kind of, you know, coming up the ladder and I'm ready to make the next jump instead of, you know, when I first get there, like maybe it's the first or the second save that the athleticism comes out. Like if I can hold that back till I really need it on the third save, then I've probably got a, a, a better handle on, uh, on that level than what I did, you know, the year or two prior to it. No, I agree. It's a good, uh, reserve tool. I would say something that, you know, that's always in the back that, Hey, if I need it, it's there. Um, so back to kind of your career here. So, you know, you became a goalie as we talked about, and, um, I'm not so familiar with the different types of like travel teams in, in, in USA. Obviously I, I grew up in Canada, but you know, it says here you were playing team Illinois and obviously you had a, a pretty good, pretty good year and you ended up getting drafted to, to Cedar Rapids in the, in the USHL. So obviously USHL very well known, uh, tier two junior league, I would say probably top two in, in North America. Uh, the BCHL was always the one in Canada that was probably the best in Canada. But, um, so after that year in Illinois, like, did you feel that you were ready to, to make that jump to, to the USHL? Yeah. I mean, that's a time in my life, like, um, it's so weird. So I played, so I played for my local club team until about fifth grade, uh, just the Elmbrook Eagles, like my hometown, and then played AAA hockey for Wisconsin AAA at the time. Now it's the junior admirals. Um, and we were always pretty good. Um, but I was a kid that, uh, was, I was pretty short. I was a late bloomer. Uh, and I had some good team Illinois at the time. Uh, was kind of like the top AAA team uh, in the country. Them and Shattuck, it always seemed like we're one, two. And so I actually, I ended up staying at home through my senior year, played at Wisconsin AAA and Team Illinois and Jim Markey had always kind of been asking if I would come down and play for them. And um, after my senior year of high school, uh, you know, I, I didn't have any college offers or anything like that. And I had a few teams, junior teams that kind of, you know, it would have been like, you'd be a number two or number three goalie. And, uh, you know, talking to my family and some people close to us, I was like, you know what, I'm going to play another year at AAA and I'm going to play on the best team I can play on. So I actually stayed at home and I would drive an hour and a half down to Chicago for practices and for games. And I played that year kind of like a post-grad year at Team Illinois. And uh, we ended up having a really good team. And uh, it was probably like the best decision I made was I, I got into a few schools um, and I deferred my enrollment at University of Wisconsin and just decided to play hockey and see where it took me. And um, our team was great. And uh, I think we took second in nationals behind Shattuck. And yeah, I got drafted to Cedar Rapids and, uh, that's kind of, that was an absolute turning point. Like, uh, but I was really close to just going to school and, uh, and not playing hockey. Um, 
really close. So it, uh, it's kind of funny. It was one of those things. Now kids will ask me like, what do I have to do? I was like, honestly, like what you have to do is you, you just keep playing and someone will notice you if you're good enough. And, um, you know, looking back, like I was, I was literally like a couple weeks away from just going to the university of Wisconsin as just a normal student. And then obviously get drafted to Cedar Rapids. And, uh, that's where things kind of really took a turn for me. My goal, um, growing up was always just, to, to play college hockey. That's all I wanted to do. I wasn't too concerned with playing pro, but I just wanted to play college hockey. And, uh, when I went to TI, that was kind of the, the, the goal, like get noticed by junior teams or get noticed by colleges and yeah, go to Cedar Rapids. And I don't know if you want me to move on to Cedar Rapids here, but there's a lot of, I learned a lot in Cedar Rapids, um, playing in the USHL for those two years. No, we're going to jump there now. One thing I wanted, I just, I'd like to ask everybody cause everyone has a different kind of, uh, thought process on it, but debate between major junior and and double a so i'm just wondering out of your from your opinion like at this time when you said you were you were thinking about just being done with hockey going to wisconsin as a normal student like when you got drafted to see rapids was then your focus like okay i want to go get my goal of an ncaa scholarship now see if i can do that or were you also thinking you know hey is there a chance for for major junior i know you were later i know you were kind of 1920 by the time you went to the ushl you went at a later age but was there ever a thought about major junior or was it strictly i want to go in double yeah there was never a thought and i think a lot of it um i didn't know really much about major junior right like i think you know if my team like my youth team had played in detroit or um something like we went to like a Plymouth Whalers game or uh, I know when we were in Quebec, we went to a Drummondville game, but like, I didn't really know what it was. Like I, I knew it was younger guys, but I, I didn't know, you know, what the steps were. Part of that is coming from a, a family that were just hockey fans. Like nobody in my family had played hockey before. Um, and part of it was where I grew up, like the, the Badgers were such a big deal, especially when I was growing up and how good they were. Like, that's like, I, that's who we really looked up to. Like we looked up to those guys. And, uh, so major junior was never really on the radar for me. And, uh, I know, I think just the way, uh, especially on, on like my mom's side, like the value of education, um, and stuff like that, I think, it would have been a really hard uh, justification to to my family to to go the major junior route, but it, like I said, it honestly, that's looking back because it it truly, really never was on the radar. I always kind of thought my only path was, you know, playing play midget and then maybe play in the USHL or NAHL and then play NCAA. Like that was always kind of the only path for me. It's cool to hear that, honestly, because like myself growing up in Canada, like we have that uh, thinking growing up, well, the OHL is the only route because you don't hear much about NCAA. At least I didn't when I was growing up. I heard it from Josh's dad because he obviously went that route, but it was more like OHL or you're done. So it's cool to hear it that way. But uh yeah, let's talk about Cedar Rapids. Obviously, you played there their two years. Um, 
you said you, there's some stuff that really helped you there. So let's get into that. Yeah. Uh, so I played for Mark Carlson, who's still there. And he's kind of like a legendary figure, I feel like, in the USHL. Um, and it was it was one of those things where I'll never forget the first, like I made the team out of, out of camp. And like the first meeting, uh, Coach Carlson said, if you don't want to be a pro hockey player, you shouldn't be here. He's like, not all of you are going to play pro hockey, but if you don't want to be a pro hockey player, you shouldn't be here. And I like that, like flipped my brain, like something switched. And I was just like, man, like a pro hockey player. Like I just want to go to college and like get a scholarship. And this guy's talking about possibly being a pro hockey player. Like, I guess I never thought of myself on like that caliber. And um, I think like the first few months there, like it probably showed, like I, I'll never forget going into uh, that first year. I didn't play for like the first, like three weeks of the season. And I, I was like, what does this guy like hate me? Like what's going on? And I went in and I talked to coach and I was like, why, why aren't you playing? And he's like, well, you practice like poop. And I was like, what? He's like, you don't practice well. And I was like, I, it was like news to me. I had no clue that I didn't practice well. And he was like, I was like, okay. And he's like, and you're not like upset. Like you, and I was like, to me, like this part was one thing where I just kind of had to learn how to handle um, different personalities. But he's like, you're never like upset when you give up a goal in practice, you give up too many goals in practice. And I was like, okay, so like, what can I do to like change it? Like, I'm not going to change my personality. Like, I think that's one of the things that has helped me over the years is like in general, like giving up a goal, like I don't get too worked up about it. Like I, I know how to refocus and stop the next one, but I think, uh, I think too many goals were going in and he thought that I was there just going through the motions. And so I made it my goal, like, the next, like, first of all, let less goals in in practice. And then second of all, anytime, anytime I did let a goal in in practice, I like snap showed like, just to show him that like I, cause he didn't think I cared, but I did care. It's just, I had a different way of internalizing those emotions, but then, so like I learned how to practice better, first of all. And so I ended up getting, getting some games finally and, and playing pretty well. And, um, but it was so much more than the on ice stuff in Cedar Rapids is all the off ice stuff and learning to be timely. Uh, I was, my my parents were always like very punctual people and so that's the first time I'm away from my parents and so I have to you know do I'm the one in charge of time right and so I had a habit of being you know within a minute or two of on time and a lot of times like that minute or two was not on time it was later and uh had a, had a few meetings about being late to to things. Um, so it was just, it was just that growing up phase and, um, coach Carlson kind of, you know, he turned, turned me from a boy to a man, I would say, and, and you know, owning your mistakes, uh, and, and being responsible or, um, all things that I look back on, um, really learning and, um, starting to understand how those apply to the real world, 
uh, I, I learned those things in Cedar Rapids. It's crazy to first hear about the, you know, cause most, most coaches, like I understand they want you to care and practice, but like if a goalie's snapping every time they let a goal and they're going to be like, this guy's got to learn some control. This guy's mentally weak, like whatever. And it was, it's funny that maybe it was just like a test to you. Cause he saw how calm you were and like, yeah, well maybe give a shit a little, give me some, something like that. And then, but it's good that you had someone like that. Cause it obviously, as you said, it flipped a switch for you and probably paved the way to where you're still playing today at such a high level. So like, I'm happy when I hear people have someone in their lives that really change them, whether it was a coach, a parent, like uh, whatever goalie coach friend, but uh, no, that's awesome to hear. And obviously you end up playing two years there um, and end up getting a, a D one scholarship to, to union college uh, before committing there. Like, did you also have a lot of other teams? Like were you doing other visits? Like how was that uh, kind of recruiting process for you? Uh, it was long and because I was a kid, I always wanted to play at Wisconsin. And uh, I remember um, my first year in Cedar Rapids, I took a visit. It was an unofficial visit to Wisconsin. And they offered me like books and food. And that was it. And I was about to be like, yeah, I'm going. Like, I'm going to be a Badger. And I'll never forget talking to Coach Carlson. He kind of sat me down and was like, like books and food. Like, they're, he's like, don't you think you're, you can do more than that. And he was like, they're kind of like telling you, you're going to be the number three guy and that's all you're going to be. And I was like, never really thought about it that way. And he was like, you know, come back. Like you can be like a D one starting goalie. Like that should be your goal. Like if people are, you know, offering you like a walk on spot, more or less like smarten up is basically what he was telling me. And, uh, so I did. And, and I talked to a lot of schools, um, kind of that second year in Cedar Rapids, I kind of had, uh, realized, you know, big schools might not be the fit for me. And, uh, so I started kind of like looking at smaller schools and, um, I, I just, I don't know why I just kind of fell in love with the union. Like I fell in love with like the coaching staff really and what they were telling me, um, everything was kind of earned, not given. And, uh, that was, that was a big thing with me, especially with the past two years of my life, like that had kind of, you know, changed the way I saw, saw playing hockey. And I was like, well, I know how hard I'm working here. Like no one's gonna outpractice me there. So if I do the right things, like I'm going to earn my playing time and it's never going to be given to me. There's some other schools, some smaller schools. And say, hey, you'd come in, you'd be our number number one guy right off the bat. And I was like, I don't know how that sounds. Like, I don't know if I'm a, if I'm ready to be a starting goalie in in D1 college hockey like right now. Um, and others, you know, it was like more on the Wisconsin route, where it's like, hey, you'll come in, you'll be the number three guy, and uh, just the way it all everything turned out. Like I, I didn't, I hadn't even visited the campus. Um, I had just seen it online and kind of done virtual stuff and talking, um, to the coaching staff and they were kind of on the up, upswing in the program trajectory and ended up committing and, uh, is probably like the best decision I've ever made along with deciding not to give up playing hockey. You raise a really good point there. 
and I've hammered it before, but hearing you say it brings me back to it. So you were at a point in your in your life where you have to make a decision what college you're going to. And you have a school like Union where it's going to be like, hey, you're going to earn your playing time. You could come in and be the starter. You could sit for two years and then be the starter, like whatever. Obviously, uh, you know, at the time at Union, they had Keith Kincaid, who was their starter and someone that you ended up playing, I believe, one season with. And then you have these other schools that are like, hey, you can come in and play immediately as a starter. And like so many people, I feel like would be like, well, obviously, I'm going to go the, the one where I'm going to play because it's about playing time. But you were honest with yourself at that time in your life to be like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if I'm ready to carry that. Like I, you know, I was a late bloomer to the USHL, let's say, for example. So, you know, maybe I need a year to adapt or maybe I'm not ready for that. And and a lot of people would just jump and be like, no, I'm going to do it. And if I'm ready or not, it doesn't matter. I'll figure it out. But it's cool to hear you say that. Um, And obviously this brings us kind of to how we, you know, I wouldn't say met each other, but, uh, you know, we ended up playing against each other. that that year i believe or the second year i can't remember no that year it was that year because i was a, a second year at niagara and it's funny we played you guys and that was Juris's freshman year all the guys you guys had a great class and i remember that your first action was against us like keith got keith got taken out. i think you guys were winning 6-1 or something and you went in for like the last like five minutes but uh how was that first that first year for, for you because you know as i just mentioned i think you played parts of three games um not getting a lot of ice time we talk about development and 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 uh you know how you need ice time to get that game game minutes but were you just kind of soaking everything in that you're trying to work your butt off and practice and also learn from a guy like keith kincaid that was you know evidently about to sign an nhl contract yeah for sure that's exactly kind of what my thought process was going in to that year and um Oh, obviously, like as a competitor, you always want to play more. But I think I played like 90 minutes. Like you said, I think I I got in against you guys and I got in like against like AIC. And then I think I actually I started one game. I think I started against UConn and got a tie or something. And um, But that I knew I probably wasn't going to play a lot. And my whole thing was practices are my games. And like, I think if you talk to some of the guys that I went to school with, like my mentality in Cedar Rapids, what I had to do to get playing time, like, because I went through that already, I kind of used that at union. I was like, I'm going to be the toughest goalie to score on in practice. Like these practices are my games. Like when I'm in the net, like you're not scoring. Like that was my, that's kind of how I treated every practice. Like I, I'll, like I'll never forget but we the way we would practice our power play was on one end it was our five on three but with no d so it was basically five on oh running our five on three set and a goalie wasn't supposed to go into that net it was supposed to be we're just running our set and we're teeing off and then on the other end it was actual five on four practice where you have actual d men out there and you know, a set of, of four killers forwards. So it was like an actual five on four. And that's where the goalies were supposed to go. Well, I decided, I was like, well, Hey, like I can get reps down in this net. Like I'm the third goal. So whenever Corey, who is our senior or Keith kind of waved me in, that's when I got to go in. 
So I saw an empty net there and it was like, no one's in that net. I'm taking that net. And that was it. I was like, I'll play you guys five on. Oh, I don't care. I'm going to prove that I can try to stop the puck. And that's what it was. It was that. And then in the weight room, I would just work, work my bag off. And, uh, that was kind of it. And then, um, yeah, I just treated like practices were my games. That was my time to prove what I could do. And, um, that's all I did that whole year. And, uh, the other part for me that was great was I was able to do those things and be part of the team, but also get the most kind of quote unquote normal college life out of it where, um, so like Cole, who is our other roommate too, um, with Josh and I, he, he and I, we didn't go on some of the longer trips and stuff like that. And it was a time for us to, you know, reach out, you know, to the other students and, and develop friendships outside of the hockey team. And I think that was really important for, for both of us. And, and, uh, you know, we just really enjoyed that freshman year, even if we weren't playing a ton, we were going to have the time of our lives and, uh, you know, get to play hockey doing it. That's a crazy, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't think I'd be stepping into the five on three, uh, one-time session down at the, the one first end. time I, the first time I did it, I kind of like in my head, I was like, I'm nuts, but I was like, I want to, you know, if I'm going to play, like I need, I need to do something. It's a good mentality to have. Like, honestly, like it's, you know, it's, it's not always uh glorious, especially, you know, when you're the number one guy, it's a little different because you kind of get to pick and choose, but especially when you're like a freshman or a rookie, you just got to take what what's there. And, uh, that's mad respect for that. I wanted to ask you about, so that, so that after that freshman year, Keith obviously signs a pro contract heads off to New Jersey. I believe he played in Albany that year or wherever they were. And, you know, now, you know, okay, there's a, this, there's a chance now. Um, obviously the other guy had graduated too. So you're, you're the only guy there. Like, what was that summer like for you? Um, had the coaches said anything to you, maybe in your exit meetings, like, Hey, Troy, like, you know, have a good summer. This is what you can work on. Cause obviously after that, you just, the next two years, you, you took off and were one of the best goalies, uh, in your conference, maybe even college as well. Yeah. I, so it even, it, it was even before summer because that same year Keith left, uh, Nate Lehman left too. And he took the job in Providence. So Rick Bennett came in as the head coach who had recruited me, recruited most of us. And I remember before I left, uh, Rick sat me down. He said, Hey, like we're this program's, you know, we're still climbing and like, it's you and me, like are going to be the big question marks, right? Like new head coach. And he was like, and I, he's like, I've got you penciled in, like you're our only returning goalie. Like, um, like you have a good summer, like, and it's yours to run with. And, uh, so that summer I, yeah, I trained hard. Um, I trained. So Ryan Forgard, who was on our team, uh, we would train together down at Shattuck St. Mary's, which is about an hour here from where I was living in, in Minneapolis. And, uh, we just had a really good summer of training and, uh, skating with, they had a great pro group down there at the time. So, um, you know, drive an hour and lift, 
skate, drive an hour back home. And, um, that was the summer routine. And I remember coming in my sophomore year, uh, and you know, like I felt ready, but I also knew like there was like a little bit of weight on my shoulders. Right. It was like, okay, like, don't be the guy that screws this up. And I remember like my first couple of times on the ice in captain's practices and stuff, like wasn't going so hot. And our goalie coach, Jason Tapp, like just kind of pulled me over the side and he was like, dude, like what's going on. And I was like, man, he's like, you're better than what you're showing right now. And I was like, yeah, I know. Like it's been a couple of tough skates. He was like, don't like, don't put any extra pressure on yourself. He's like, we trust you to go out there and make the saves we need you to. And he was like, don't worry. Like, you're not going to be the reason that anything is screwed up. Like, I think you're putting a little pressure on yourself, like that you have these shoes to fill. He's like, we've got a really good team in front of you. You just go out and be you. And he said that, and it was literally like a week of captain's practices that he said that after. And he said that, and it just kind of like turned a switch mentally and, another one and I just went out and just tried to be me and try to make the saves that I could and not worry about the ones that I couldn't get to and that was basically all I did and I mean our team was so good that it made my job really easy sometimes you just need that little like as you said tune up in the head or just quick reminder of you know reason I'm here you know don't let the pressure get to me or don't worry about that just focus on you so it's good that uh your goalie coach at the time had done that. A um, couple questions now. I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna change off hockey a little here. We're gonna go. One got to ask you, uh, how was it rooming with Josh Jiras? We I loved your. Uh, so we had a really good crew. Like our whole uh, our whole class was super tight. But our freshman year, uh, we got a quad. And it was Mike Inglesby and Jiras, and then Cole and I. And we all hit it off like immediately. We all still text each other. Like um, just like one of those things that we like, we just all hit it off immediately and we had so much fun, like whatever it was, it seemed like we were always, you know, Josh and I and Cole, like, especially we were always competing at something. It was video games. It was like whatever it was. And I think like, it just reminded me of uh, like my relationship with my brother. Like we were always doing stuff together, like all growing up and always playing like, and that's what we had at union. And I'm sure you had similar experience, you know, at Niagara, like it's those guys become your brothers because you're with them 24 seven, you're going to classes together, you know, you're playing hockey together and because your schedules are the exact same, like when you have a break, like you're always doing things together. And so those are relationships that I still cherish. And like Jerry, like he's just one of those guys, man, like you can't help but love the guy. Right. And we still have like, you know, there's, I think there's like a perfect example of how loved Jerry is, is that, he has like 20 nicknames in our union hockey group alone. And I think like the more nicknames a guy has, like he's probably like pretty well loved. And uh, so he's, he's just one of those guys that whenever you're around him, he makes you smile. And um, he's a guy that I would, I would do just about anything for. 
Can't argue with that. Um, growing up with him, you know, he just has that goofy happiness about him and, you know, just brings people in. And as you said, yeah, definitely uh, a lot of a lot of smiles on your face when you're around with him. Um, speaking of him, he wrote in a question that I have to ask you. So he said to ask you how you always manage to get your papers done. He said you would leave it until the last day, hammer a chew and a Mountain Dew and stay up till four in the morning and crank out a 15 page paper and get an A. So for the young students listening out there, this might not be the right way, but how did it, how did you get it done, Troy? <laughs> I, that's exactly, that was my MO in college, man. I honestly, looking back, I don't know how I did it, but it was one of those things like I valued my time on the ice and just being with the guys um, more than I valued time doing schoolwork. And I knew I was a pretty good student. I was lucky enough. I had some really, really good um, teachers growing up when it came to writing. So a lot of times I was to the point where, you know, I know they tell you to like make outlines and all this and rough drafts and whatever. I was to the point where, first of all, I take really, really good notes in class. And so when the question for a paper came up, like I basically like just relied on my notes. I had like my little tiny, like three, sometimes it was literally three sentences of outline. And then all it was, was like, I'm doing this for the first paragraph, this for the second paragraph, this for the third paragraph, whatever, or sections. And then the beginning and end, just tying those things together. And so I just had like a good little system where like I knew like the, I knew the recipe for a good paper and I just had to put the information into it almost. And I think too, like I, when I was in class, like I was focused on that class. So, and the way I retain information, like I said, is taking notes. And so a lot of times, like when we would study for tests, like I would quiz Jer for tests and stuff going into, into a, a big test or a quiz. And I would just go off my notes. And like a lot of times, like I would already have it remembered just from writing it down. And so I would, yeah, the longer, pa- the longer papers would be a little bit uh, frustrating because I knew where I wanted to go with it, but it was just the matter of the time that it took to write it out. But yeah, it was, uh, it was chew a do and let's, let's hammer this thing out and get it in on time. And usually it was the first draft of papers that I would, I would send in. And so there was definitely some grammatical errors or like commas in the wrong place, but for, you know, the substance of it was usually good enough to get me a good, good grade. That's funny. I actually do believe when I visited Union that you were in the midst of one of those before, you know, you, I remember you were you were going out bowling with the guys and you had just finished your your junior year or whatever and you were about to sign. And I remember we want to go out and have beers or something. And you're like, yeah, just got to finish this paper. I'm like, oh, yeah, when's it due? You're like, I don't know, in two hours or something like it was just like so like nonchalant. And like, you know, you'd been down that road before, but that was funny. Um Last thing I want to talk about with Union before we move back to your playing career is, and Juris brought it up too, and I'm supposed to have Karzi on eventually too. He'll bring it up. The famous spring workouts. Um, Juris was very detailed in, you know, these things made you want to quit 
And when Juris says that to be the point where I can't do this anymore, that takes a, I think that takes a lot. So I'm here, I'm curious to hear your story on these, on these workouts. Dude, like they were looking back on them now, like they're the, some of the best memories because it's, it's some of them are just so like ridiculous that you can't help but laugh at them now. But like, while you're going through it, you're like, this is miserable, but I remember like actually the time I remember us like talking about quitting was not even like we had just gotten to school and we're in freshman dorms. There's no air conditioning and it's hot. And we just like, it was, it was a preseason like workout and we would go do these workouts and we would come back and there's no air conditioning. And we were all just fried cramping, like trying to get water into ourselves in this hot box of a dorm room. And we were all looking at each other, like, what are we doing here? Like, what, why are we putting ourselves through this? And then, you know, our first spring workouts, I don't like, there's a few that I can remember, like the pool workouts were always, you know, uh, an adventure with some of the guys, like some, some swimming abilities weren't up to par with some of the things we were being asked to do. So it was a good thing lifeguards were on hand, but like, just like, I mean, I think the most infamous one is the five mile run, like with the rocks in the backpack, like, and that one was miserable. I think I had like a scar on my back for like three months because the way Rick had us go up, like my locker was the first one next to the exit. So I was the first guy out and when he told us to fill the rocks up, like he basically like was like, fill your bag with rocks. So I have the most time to fill my bag with rocks and I have no clue what we're going to do with them yet. So my bag is full. Like my book bag is full of rocks this entire time. And I'll never forget. We're like a mile into the run and, uh, I'm up towards the front and, uh, Rick turned and, said i think sully kevin sullivan was right next to him which sully was in incredible shape to start with but uh, there's rumors his backpack might have been a little light and uh he said sully uh make sure everyone's doing okay and i was about to be like i could i was within earshot where i could hear rick say it and i was about to be like sully tell him like i'm dying and with it like Sully didn't drop back or anything. He just like did one of these. He's like, everyone's good coach. Everyone's good. And I was like, God damn it. I am dying. And like, I knew we had four miles left this and miserable. And then I think we went and did like a field workout after that. My other favorite like workout memory was a Creek one where we literally, so aside from like we did army crawls and I think Sully like, like, had to crawl over like a dead animal at one point. Cause he was so scared of saying something, but that same workout, we brought out the nets from the rink and put them in the Creek. And Rick brought us a soccer ball and I forgot who the first two up were, but he told he's like, you try to score on that net. You try to make him not score. And so it's guys like playing like European handball at first, like, and I was like, oh, this is actually going to be kind of fun. And, like, Rick blows it down immediately. He's like, that's not how, like, this has – you have to carry that ball through the net. 
And so now it becomes like Powerball and American Gladiators in a creek. Like it was insane, but like it was also like kind of fun. Like not gonna lie, that was those are my biggest like Bennett workout memories. But they were they were hard and intense. But it was also the I think the lasting legacy of them is the the camaraderie that we built. Like remember how stupid that was what we were doing but like we all did it together and uh that was it was uh looking back there like some of the best memories but at the time like i would not want to do one right now i, I said to i said to juris like it's just hilarious he- hearing this and i love hearing it from each different guy but it is about the com- camaraderie but i also think it was more about the mental toughness like he was testing you guys and letting you guys know that if you guys can get through this mentally, like physically, it was shit as well. But like mentally, it nothing else will phase you. And Josh said the same thing. Like after that, like obviously in pro and through a lot of things in his life, there's nothing ever come close to that. And I think, you know, there's obviously a hidden uh, reason behind it, but it's hilarious to hear that. Um, yeah, the famous workouts, man, the Bennett, the Bennett spring workouts. but. Um, so obviously, you know, you played your three years at Union College and you had very good, you know, sophomore and junior year when you were the starter there, won multiple uh, awards, uh, both individually and, you know, your team was good too, as you said. And I'm curious, um, what was your dis- uh, decision to, to to leave after your junior year there? And then were you getting lots of interest from, you know, NHL teams at the time? Yeah, like... So even going back, like that is still the hardest decision I ever made just because I think, like I said, like a lot of those guys are still some of my closest friends today and we knew we were really good. And so if I like take it back my sophomore year, obviously I had a pretty good year and that was the first time, like after the year uh, I sat down with coach bang. He's like, Hey, like, there's some teams like interested. Um, I didn't even have an advisor at that point. Like I had kind of gone it alone. And that at that point I was kind of like, well, maybe it'd be a good idea to have an advisor. And so I sat down with um, a few different advisors after that year and kind of determined like I in my heart, like I already knew like I wasn't going to go pro yet after my sophomore year, even though there was a little bit of interest. And so I I picked my advisor and uh, then went back for my junior year and we were really good again. And um, kind of throughout the year, I was a guy that like, I basically told my advisor, like, I, I don't want to like hear from you like during the year, unless I really need to. So it would be like little check-ins throughout my junior year. I knew there was going to be interest after, but I was like, I was too focused on playing hockey and going to school. Like I didn't want to have to deal with it. And uh, so we ended up losing and uh, I, I I was just like, okay, I'm going to have Bender week here and like, I'll figure out my life like as we go. But like my focus now is, is Bender week and having fun with my, my best friends. And uh, we got back. I think we played the regionals in Providence that year. So I think we got back from Providence and we're unpacking our gear. And Rick said, if anyone is thinking about leaving, come see me immediately. I don't care like 
how far down the path you are, just let me know. And so like right then I just kind of was like, Rick had always been upfront and honest with me. So I thought it was important that I was upfront and honest with him. And I told him like, Hey, I know like it's a possibility. Like I'm gonna explore, you know, what he was like, okay, well, how much interest is there? He's like, honestly, I don't even know. Like I, I barely talked to my advisor and he's like, okay, figure it out. Thanks for letting me know. And then kind of like within the next few days, it was like all happened really fast. And I knew that, uh, because of my age that I could burn my entry level deal and that kind of, and I knew the only reason I knew that is because it's kind of like what well she did the year before me. And, uh, so I kind of like said to myself, okay, if I can finish up my credits and I can burn my entry level, then I will turn pro. And so then it was on my advisor to find teams that would be willing to burn my entry level. And it was on me to figure out a pathway to graduate. And I wanted to graduate basically as soon as I could, because I just knowing my personality going back, even if it was only for a couple of credits was going to be tough for me. So I was able to figure it out with the deans, how put in a plan into place where I basically wrote my, my senior thesis that first couple months that I was uh, playing pro. Um, so I figured out a way that I was going to do that. And there were a few teams that were willing to burn my entry level. And so I, uh, you know, when they were willing to do that, I decided that was probably the best decision for me. And so I decided to, and like, I'll never forget, like I was like, I didn't, I think Juris knew and I think Cole might've known, but I didn't want too many other guys to know. Um, cause like we were in the middle of a vendor week, like we were having a great time, like drinking beers and camaraderie and, uh, like I signed it and I was, I didn't want to make any announcement or anything like that. I didn't, it was what it was. I was going to say my goodbyes as I wanted to and nothing had gotten on the internet or anything like that yet. And I remember like, uh, we're doing, I don't even know what night of Bender week it was, but we were doing something. And all of a sudden, um, one of the boys was like, Hey, like grocers signing a pro contract, like, and everyone went nuts. And I just started bawling like just started bawling like it was uh and I don't I still don't even know if they were like happy tears or sad tears because those guys were so important to me like I've loved every single one of them and so leaving all those guys and that kind of being like a send-off meanwhile like seeing the love you got from your teammates was uh it was like one of those moments where like I wish I could have recorded it but at the same it was kind of like a moment just like I wish I could kind of like go back and take it all in. Cause all I can remember is like everybody drunk and going crazy and I'm just bawling, like can't control my emotions. But uh, I think that kind of summed up exactly how it felt to leave all those guys because I knew we were really good. And obviously the next year, like they went out and did what we always wanted to do and won a national championship. And at the same time, like, knowing that I was going to do something that, you know, five years ago, I thought there was no chance in, in the world I would ever be a pro hockey player. And I had just kind of realized that dream. So 
it was a pretty incredible moment in my life. And uh, yeah, like still love all those guys to this day and wouldn't go back and change anything about my time at Union. Oh, as you brought up, like it's, you know, you guys, I felt like you had really good classes there. You were obviously good hockey players, but also just like good guys as well. You built that camaraderie, like that family atmosphere. And, you know, Jared said the same thing. He, he, he like you, signed uh, signed a contract and they ended up uh, obviously, you know, winning uh, the year that you guys both left. So it's, uh, you know, it's one of those on one hand, it's, you know, wish we could have been a part of that. But at the same time, I think both of you were, you know, this chance might not happen. You know, who knows what will happen our senior year. And you kind of just have to make a uh, decision for yourself, which in the end, I don't think either of you regret. But how was uh, how was that jump? So like, your, you know, your first year, you're, you end up signing with San Jose. Um, first year, you're in War- Worcester there, Worcester, I forget how they pronounce it. But, uh, you know, how was that jump? So again, we're talking about, you know, how you made the jump from uh, Team Illinois to Cedar Rapids, then Cedar Rapids to Union. So, how was the jump for you uh, to pro hockey? Yeah, it was. So I pronounce it Worcester. If you're out there, it's Worcester. Uh, but it was. Uh, what's the best way to put it? Like I knew kind of what was going to be expected of me going in. So I knew that I probably wasn't going to be starting. Um, and I just kind of like went back and relied on those times I wasn't starting, you know, in, in pro, uh, or sorry, in college and in junior and translated it to pro. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to work really hard and show everybody what I can do, try to be a good teammate. And, um, at that point I kind of like, I remember like our goalie coach, like the first couple months of the year, I was probably playing one out of the three games, right? It was like that kind of split. And my goalie coach being like, hey, like you're handling it like really well, like not even time and kind of being the second fiddle. And I was like, yeah, well, like I wasn't expecting to like come in and be the starting goalie. Like I know kind of how this works and like I've been there before. Like, uh, I I don't know. It was kind of, for whatever reason, it seemed like the organization thought I handled it better than they expected. And it was just one of those things, like, I'm just going to do me like, and I'll show you guys like, I'm a really good goalie. And I understand that I have to earn that playing time. And so kind of by midway through the year, well, it wasn't by midway because I remember uh, Roy kind of like coming up to me around Christmas and saying like, Hey, keep doing what you're doing. Like, I want to play you more. It's kind of out of my hands. Like they need the other guy to get going. Um, he's supposed to be like the guy that has more experience. So he's kind of the guy that needs to be ready if something happens. And, you know, he was kind of going through some stuff and it's like, they want me to get him more games, but stay patient and you're going to get your time. And I don't know, a month later or so I kind of started to, play one out of every two games instead. And then by the end of the year, you know, I was playing two out of three and had kind of taken over that starting role. And um, it was, uh, I don't know, it was just a really, I credit a lot of our vets on that, that team in Worcester 
that first year I was there. And maybe part of it too, is that I was older. Like, I think I was like 24 years old or something like that turning pro um, where they just brought me in like really easy. It wasn't like, Oh, he's a stupid rookie or anything like that. Like just felt like part of the team right away and made the transition really easy. Um, obviously the game was like faster. Guys were smarter. Um, and like I said, like that was kind of like, I remember feeling like I went backwards and feeling like I was a freshman again. Like, Oh my God, like I can't get to that second save without like splitting out and doing something crazy. Um, and so like, that was kind of my wake up and I was just told myself, Hey, you've been here before, like focus on the structure, focus on reading the play and focus on trying to know where the puck's going to be before it's there. And, um, yeah, that it was just kind of by that time, I felt like it was kind of old hat. Like I just relied on my past experiences to get me through it and, uh, you know, just, just try to keep getting better. And evidently you ended up, you know, having a pretty good year, I would say, as your as your rookie year. And given the what we've just talked about, the playing circumstances, and you still end up getting, you know, 35 games. And then the next year, you know, I would say a childhood dream for most people comes true. You know, you're obviously back in, in the AHL, but then you end up getting the call up to the the NHL. I'm just going to let you talk about that experience, you know, how was the day, everything leading up. And, you know, I remember, I think your first game, you had like 50 something saves or something, if I remember correctly, but I'll let you tell the story. So how was that experience for you, you know, getting your first call up to the NHL? It was all pretty wild. Like it was early in the year. Uh, Maggie, who's my wife now, fiance at the time, was actually traveling in Europe uh, when I got news that I was going up and her phone had broken. So like I was supposed to be picking her up at the airport, but I couldn't get in touch with her to tell her that we had to get a car service instead. And I remember the other part, uh, we were playing in Springfield. I was supposed to be starting in Springfield uh, against the Falcons. And like right before, like I had just done my juggling and stuff. And like right before I'm going into the locker room to dress, uh, Roy, our head coach called me in. He was like, Hey, you're not playing tonight. Like, that's how he let it off. And I was like, well, what? Like we're games in an hour. Like, how are you telling me I'm not playing? He's like, yeah, like you're just not playing tonight. You're going to have to go up. And I was like, what? And he kind of like, looks and he's like, congrats. Like you're going up. And so now he's like, the reason we don't want you to play is we don't want anything to happen and you get hurt before you get called up. Um, so JP is going to play, you're going to back up. And I was like, okay, but now I'm sitting there backing up like, and Springfield, I don't know if you ever, well, I don't know. Was it today? I see play at that rink when, when you were there. Unfortunately, when I was at Niagara, we never played them when I was there. I had transferred by then, but I know they're at that rink. So that rink, like where the backup goalie sits is like halfway into the zone. So like any dump, like you need to be like ready for, like you've got to have your glove ready. And I was like sitting there just like, Oh my God, I'm going up. I'm going up. Oh, I don't want to get hit. I don't go like my mind is just in a thousand places. Right. And so I end up flying out the next morning to Tampa Bay 
meet up with the team there. Uh, we played in Tampa, then we played in Columbus. And uh, in Columbus, Todd McClellan had kind of come up to me and said, like, hey, if you want to get people into town, uh, there's like a 90% chance you're going to be playing in Carolina. And uh, so I called my parents and I called Maggie and uh, my brother and my folks and Maggie were all able to get in. As long as, and one of my uncles was able to get in too. And so it was just kind of one of those things. Like I remember the night before, uh, like laying in bed and just kind of like, like, holy shit, like this is going to happen. And like, I couldn't like to calm myself. I just said that like somebody had told me like, Hey, it's just, just another hockey game. Like you've been doing it your whole life. It's just another hockey game. Um, and for whatever reason, like that thought was the one that was able to get me to calm down and like get a good night of sleep. And then that's how I approached it. I was like, this is just another hockey game. You've been playing hockey your whole life. And uh, yeah, it ended up being just one of those games that everything hit. Yeah. Right. Like 45 save shot out. Um, yeah. I, I don't even, I look back at some of the clips and I'm like, that's a, like, I made the save, but that's really bad goaltending. Like, like, like what am I doing out there? And, uh, I, but whatever, it got the job done. And I just, the biggest like memories are actually like the 15 minutes, like being able to talk to my parents and brother and Maggie and just kind of like look back, like on the whole path that had gotten me there to that point. And, um, yeah, like being able to share it with them was so special and uh something i'll never forget and but we only had like the 15 minutes and then we are on a on a bus to catch a plane to buffalo yeah i mean that's yeah it must have been such a cool experience and i remember like i i think juris texted me and he was like yo gross is playing tonight and i was like probably in europe somewhere and i was like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna watch the highlights next morning i hope he does well and then obviously seeing that you know 45 safe shot out and i was like oh my god like that's sick for him like and just like you know i've, I've said this before like i feel like the days when you're kind of just like it, you're thrown into the fire you end up playing better because you're you know you're not stressing about it you're just like hey like let's go like i'm ready and um you know you end up so your career until now we're going to transition this way um you know you've been a very reliable ahl goalie um everywhere you've gone you've put up good numbers um you know won multiple awards you know you won best goalie of the year um you've had the award for best goals against in a season best save percentage all-star uh game and i've always wondered so when you've been called up to the nhl you've also always done well you with the games you get or the the ice the ice minutes you get you're always been a solid guy and i'm just wondering and i think it's good for the younger generation to hear you know how do you stay mentally positive and motivated because it, it just seems like you know for, for someone like myself on the outside i've always been like how does this guy not have a chance yet like how has he not been given a real chance other than like here's a couple games here and there so i'm very curious you know your thoughts on that and maybe like how you how you've been able to handle it all these years well first i think the most important thing is like I still love playing hockey. Like that's, it's 
it was my first love and I, like, I still love it. And, um, yeah, like, I think when people look at my career and they say stuff like that, like, how do you stay motivated, like to play minor league hockey? And I'm like, you know what? Like, if you've been like where I've been, like I almost quit playing hockey when I was 18 years old. Like I aged out of junior. Like if I look back on it like that way, like everything I've done in my career is just like, it's been icing on the cake, right? Like I never, until I went to Cedar Rapids, I never thought I'd be a pro hockey player. Like I, I think when you can kind of zoom out and see like, where you've been like you've seen some lows like you've seen the times you've almost quit um it makes it easier to you know there don't get me wrong like there's days where i'm like why don't i have more nhl games like we're all competitive like we're all that's where we all want to be like i still want to be an nhl goalie don't get me wrong but there's days those days where i get uh, a little too big for my britches i i suppose like i kind of take it back like dude, you're living the dream. So like you're playing pro hockey, you love what you do. And, um, I just try not to take that for granted. And, uh, I, I love the, I love the opportunity it's provided the games provided for me and what it's done for my family, like being able to do what you love and support a family who you love, like, it doesn't get better than that. So I will never be the guy that complains, you know, I should, I should be getting more. Like to me, it's, I'm going to work hard and, you know, when those opportunities come, I'll be prepared for them. And I think that's the only, you know, you can only put the next foot forward. You can't be the second that I start thinking about 10 steps ahead or 10 steps behind unless it's in that like grand scope, um, I'm going to be in trouble. Like in order for me to have success, I have to worry about the next thing that I have to do the right way. And um, if I can focus on that, then, you know, things generally turn out pretty well. So I try not to get tied up in, you know, where I'm playing, how much money, how much success I'm going to have or anything like that. I just try to focus on doing the next thing that I need to do. It's a good way to look at it. Kind of the glass half full thing and just, you know, enjoying it, uh, wherever you are, because obviously we can't play the game forever. And as you said, you at 18 years old, you were almost quitting. So it's crazy to see like how far you've come. So uh, no, I appreciate that. I think it's really good advice for anyone listening out there. You know, there's obviously challenges, roadblocks along the way. And, you know, you like yourself don't see it that way. You're like, you know what? Hey, I've made a pretty good life. Uh, I have a great family, um, you know, love the game of hockey. So that's awesome. One other thing I wanted to talk to you about was kind of a unique situation you were put into and a couple other guys were put into was that uh, 2020-21 season. So that COVID season, you know, playing uh, with no fans and stuff. And, you know, you end up playing six games that year, two in the NHL, two in the AHL. But I just wanted to kind of talk about like how it was because I, you know, just living through a, a Kazmir Kaskasua, for example, like watching his YouTube videos, like, you know, he was the 
the practice guy that year and you got to see all the behind stuff. So how was your like living experience that you're like the day-to-day, not many games, like maybe not being able to see family as much. Like how was that season? It was wild. And I, my season was wild because so I signed with LA, LA hadn't made the playoffs the year before. So they got to start their camp like three days before everybody or whatever. That was how they drew it up with the CBA And uh, so, but you had to quarantine, obviously, before you went to camp. So I flew out to LA a few days before Christmas so that I could be ready for camp. So quarantined in LA for eight days, then make it into camp. And um, we're going to, like the last day, we're going to do a black-white scrimmage, right? And I'm supposed to be backing up either Cal or Quickie, I don't remember. And the plan was Cal and Quickie are going to play the full scrimmage because that was our only preseason like game. Like we weren't doing like the preseason games just with all the precautions. So I get on the bus to go to the Staples Center because they're trying to do the scrimmage as, you know, this is going to be what it feels like. And um, Cal's not on the bus. And another one of the goalies isn't on the bus and I get there and I'm the only number on the board for the goalies. And I was like, what is going on? And like, so I get dressed and literally I'm doing my thing in the hallway before we're going to go on the ice. And Billy was like, Billy Ranford is like, Hey, did you get the the memo? And I was like, well, I'm the only goalie in here. So I kind of, figured I'm playing. He's like, yep. And you're going the whole time. So what had happened was Cal and I think it was Jacob Ingham, um, were both deemed close contacts. So they couldn't be around. They didn't test positive, but because they were close contacts, they couldn't be around. So I played the full scrimmage and then was on the opening roster for the first couple days, like the first game or two. Um, because Cal couldn't be around, but that also meant that they couldn't put me on waivers to send me to the taxi squad, which was the plan basically all along was I was going to be the taxi squad guy. And, uh, so Cal is able to come back and they put me on waivers to put me on the taxi squad while Edmonton was going through all the stuff that they had gone through. So they end up claiming me on waivers and I remember it was like the uh, the Packers and Rams were playing a, a playoff game. So I came to the rink. I came to the, the practice facility all decked out. Like I had this like Packer chain on, like just like ready to give it to anybody who was cheering for the Rams. And uh, like after 30 minutes of being there, they're like, yeah, you got claimed on waivers. So like you got to head to Edmonton and they Edmonton called me and they were like, Hey, do you want to fly up here? And it's like, my wife and kids aren't out here. Like I've only got so much stuff. Like, I don't know what the heck I would do with my car down here. I was like, I'll just drive it. And so I hopped in my car, like green Bay Packer chain and everything. And like got my, the, they printed out all my uh, visa stuff uh, to get into Canada. And I start my drive up. It was going to take a couple of days and so I start my drive up and I had stopped for the night. I forget where I stopped that first time. I might've been in like Salt Lake city or something. And then I was going to keep going. And that second day I'm 
on the road and I'm somewhere in the middle of Montana and my agent called me and he was like, Hey, where are you? And I was like, I'm in like Montana. And he's like, so you haven't crossed the border yet. And I was like, no. And he was like, don't cross the border. Like stop for the night. Um, he was like, they're, they're going to try to claim another guy. And so I was like, okay. So they didn't want me to cross the border. Cause if I got up there and was stuck for 14 days, then obviously it's even harder to go somewhere else. So I stopped in like Helena, Montana and try to check into a hotel and they wouldn't let me check in till three. I'm like, there's no one at this hotel. Like, just give me a room. But they wouldn't let me in till three because I was the hotel policy, whatever. Stop for the night, watch like the football games. And uh, in the morning, uh, wake up, like just kind of like ready to go. Like I was re, re uh, scrolling like, Elliot Friedman's Twitter thing to see like waiver claims. And I was like, literally like it was, I don't know what it is mountain time, like 10 o'clock mountain time or something that like scrolled. And it was like, okay, Edmonton didn't pick up the guy. And like, I started driving right then and there excited to get to Edmonton. And like five minutes later, somebody called me or my agent called me. He's like, Hey, you can get on the road. And I was like, yep, already on the road. Like get up, get through the border, get up to Edmonton have to quarantine there again and uh so that's like eight more days of quarantine because they got me into some pilot program finish the quarantine teams back and like there's a back-to-back coming up so i'm thinking like oh i might play up here but i only practiced one time with the team because they were on the road and uh so they came up they're like ah you've only got one practice in the past you know week and a half like we're not going to put you in an NHL game. So I literally, I backed up like two or three games for them. And by, in that time, Smitty made it back. He was healthy. I knew I was in trouble. Like my first like time on the ice, Smitty was out there too. And I was like, I'm not going to be here long. And so, so they put me on waivers. LA reclaims me, drive all the way back down to LA quarantine again. By that point, um, you know, all the outside stuff, like I'd, found an Airbnb in LA that Maggie and the kids were like going to come in two days before I got claimed. So we had to change all that. And then, um, you know, the month or so, whatever it was that I was not in LA, uh, we end up finding an Airbnb again. It was the same one. And so Maggie and the kids were actually able to come to LA um, and they stayed with, like, they quarantined with me and they were there for like a month and a half before they had to come back here in Minnesota. Um, so like the whole hockey issue with like, uh, no fans in the stands and stuff like that was such a minor blip on my radar by the, by the time I was actually playing games. Like I was just happy to be playing hockey again. I could have cared less if there's fans or if the fake fake fans, you know, made a sound at the wrong time, I could have cared less because there's a lot of moving parts to that year. And I will say like, it was one of those things too. Uh, so I ended up playing a couple of games for the Kings that year. And the first one uh, against Anaheim, um, you know, Maggie and the kids were in town. They obviously couldn't go to the games, but it was, you know, it's a, it's a bus trip. It's, you know, 20, 25 minutes and so I get back from the game and like Maggie's sitting there and like 
it been, I don't know, five, six years since I'd played a game in the NHL. And like, she knew how much work I put in and um, just to like sit there again with Maggie and like, just have a good hug and a good cry, like uh, pretty special moments um, that happened during that year. So it was a weird time for everybody, obviously, but um, we got through it and uh, there were, there were positives that came out of it too. Um, as soon as I asked that question, I, right in my head, I was like, oh my God, I actually remember what happened. Like immediately I was like, oh my God, that was him. I remember this story and I was like, forgot it was you. That's hilarious. But yeah, man, oh my God. <laughs> like that's It was wild got your miles in on your car <laughs> yeah the good old jeep she's uh i actually just just sold the jeep but uh yeah we had some good times <laughs> that's hilarious i was like and the, the story about you were wearing the the packers like chain and stuff i was like oh my god imagine like you know normal times you have to get on a plane or something imagine showing up with that but that's uh that's a story in itself and yeah i'm at like you you said it like by the end you're like i don't care about no fans or what's going on like i've i've had my fill of this covid stuff but i'm happy your family got to got to be out there in the end when you end up going back to la so that's obviously uh huge and you know like just quickly to just i'm gonna bring it up as you know like in the minimal games that you've played in the nhl you know you have a 933 save percentage so i would say that's uh pretty good because most guys who get called up and only play four games you know there's they're going down because maybe they weren't ready for it or they get thrown into a crappy situation so i'm happy you've been able to always you know when your chance came they've been few but you've been ready to go so i'd say that's a testament to you um a couple more here so we'll we'll bang these ones out quick this has been a long one but it's been very informational so i'm I'm happy we've we've been able to do it so how you know you're you're Turning uh, 34 years old here in in a month. Uh, crazy to say that out loud. But uh, how how much longer do you see yourself playing for? Like we talked about it off camera. Like you just you just had a a third baby, so you know you're you're a father of three now. Um, but how long do you see yourself playing for? Like I always said, I want to play as long as long as I can. Um, you know, until the wheels fall off, basically. Obviously now um, kids are getting older. So my son will be started kindergarten this year. Um, you know, I'd like to get at least two more years in. Um, obviously the last, last year, um, some, some tough stuff, uh, tough injury stuff. Um, so that's kind of, you know, I'm not getting younger. Like we, we touched on and uh, I still want to be able to be, you know, able to do everything I want to do with my kids and, uh, you know, not wear the body out too, too heavily. So I would like to get at least two years in and kind of see how the body's feeling. Like at the same time, it'll, I think the rest of my career, it's going to be how the year go, how's the body feel? Um, and then make the decision from there. Um, so I don't necessarily have an exact number on it. It's just going to be more of a, of a feeling, but, uh, like this year, we're going back to Milwaukee, uh, where I grew up, um, have been there before. And it's just, uh, the situation obviously with three kids now. Um, but my folks and my brother and my brother-in-law are all in the Milwaukee area. So 
um, being able to be that close to family and play pro hockey. Um, I think, you know, the pro hockey lifestyle, it's, I think it's, you know, there's two ends of it, right. It's really cool for kids, I think, to be able to experience it, but at the same time, it takes a toll moving around and, um, you know, finding new friends every, every city you're in. Um, so to have a little bit of stability for my kids and, um, them growing up in the same community that I grew up in, uh, I think what a, what a perfect like melding of, of the two worlds where they get to still experience the pro hockey lifestyle, but still be really close to friends and family, um, outside of the team. And, uh, that's, uh, you know, that was one of the biggest reasons I wanted to go back to Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that they'll have me around for a few seasons and, uh, that that's where I'll, I'll finish up. Yeah. Nobody, uh, talks about the, the toll, I would say, you know, obviously they hear it from you or the athlete because they're the ones playing the game, but it actually, I think it has a bigger impact on families because as you said, like, someone like yourself that's had to move around a little, well, that means, you know, finding a new place to live for that year, uh, new friends for your wife, Maggie, uh, new friends for your kids as well, new school, whatever it is. And it's always easier for the athlete because, you know, it's easy. You'll go and you got 20, 30 guys on a team throughout a year, guys you can easily hang out with. So it's always, uh, you know, I'd say more stressful on the, on the family members, but it's good that you have a support system at home and, you know, like you said, now you're in an area where you have other family members, somewhere you've been before, your kids know it. So I think that's, you know, could be a good way to end it if that's what it comes to. Um, have you thought about plans after hockey? So anything you'd like to do, whether it's stay involved in hockey or do something completely different? Yeah, I don't know. I uh, kind of figuring that out. I would like to stay in hockey at, at some level. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily like, I don't think I want to you know, be moving around and, and stuff like that. So I don't think I want to be like a head coach or assistant coach or anything like that, but I could see myself doing some scouting or, or something like that. And then uh, for sure, I want to stay involved coaching my son and, and stuff like that. Those are the, my thoughts after hockey are the ones that I have right now are all centered around, you know, being a dad. Like I want to make sure I have time um, to spend with my kids and, and being able to coach them or, you know, even if I'm just their, their limo driver, but, um, just giving them, um, the best, best childhood that they can have. That's what all my thoughts after hockey are centered towards and, uh, you know, whatever I have to do to work, um, to figure that out and make sure that that work is something where I, you know, I'm not, buckled in where I have to be flying around all the time and that there's enough time to spend with them. Um, that's, that's where the thoughts are after hockey. So it'll, it, you know, I, I definitely want to stay involved with the game. Um, it's given me so much, uh, I feel like it's only right to give back. Um, so at what level I stay involved in the game, I, I'm not quite sure, but I know I'll still be involved. That's awesome to hear that, man. Just about the, you know, family stuff again, as I said. So, and I'm sure in terms of work, you know, whatever level of hockey, you know, you've played a long time, people would be, be lucky to have you. And I'm sure there'll be opportunities open up whenever that 
door closes because obviously when one door closes others open um last one here for you so what i ask every guest what is one piece of advice or if you have others as well multiple pieces of advice that you would give your younger self and maybe the younger generation so if you're speaking to a younger troy you know 16 17 years old what are one or a couple pieces of advice you would you would give them huh i mean i think the two is just work hard and uh have some self-confidence and if you don't have self-confidence like fake it till you make it like i feel like the times in my career that i don't think i mean obviously ever since uh running into coach carlson and cedar rapids i don't think the hard work has been an issue like i love um the work that it takes on the ice i don't necessarily love the gym but I know that it's necessary in order to do the things that I love and stay healthy. Um, so I'd say work hard. And, but like, I think especially as goalies, uh, like not being cocky, but having that self-confidence that, you know, you are good enough to play at whatever level you are. Somebody else saw something in you that they think that you're good enough to play at that level. So you need to have that self-confidence that you are. And I think any times that I've kind of, you know, gotten in a little bit of a tailspin, it's that self-confidence and self-insuredness that takes a little bit of a hit, which I think obviously, you know, you have bad games and a streak of bad games, it's only natural. But um, yeah, there've been times where, you know, you're like, am I good enough to be doing this? Am, Am I really, you know, a top tier goalie in this league. And, um, I think the more you can, instead of asking yourself if, or telling yourself you're not just tell yourself you are. And like I said, you fake it until you make it, because I think that self, you know, self-confidence goes a long way in our position. You know, I think that's what you see a lot of times when, you know, guys go on, on, hot streaks in the playoffs like yeah they're feeling themselves like they're feeling really good about where their game's at and it's almost like even when one goes in it doesn't matter like the next like you forget about that one because i'm really good goalie and good luck scoring on me again so i think those are the two like that hard work hard working mentality and then just having self-confidence and i think a lot of that self-confidence you can um, go back to the hard work. Like who, who else is prepared like me? I've done everything I can. Like I've worked as hard as I can. Um, and you can draw a lot of confidence off of that, even when, you know, the stats or the games might not be going your way. You, you say to yourself, Hey, I've worked really hard. Like it's going to go my way pretty soon. So I think those are kind of the two things that I wish I could have learned earlier in my career. No, really well said. Um, you know, just the the confidence thing, I think, is a huge thing. Um, and there is that line between being cocky and being confident. And I think once you understand what that is, but as you said, even when you're not feeling it, you know, tell yourself you're good enough or whatever it may be, because there is that famous saying, you know, positive thoughts leads to positive results. So 
if you continue to have that confidence, believe in yourself and know that you have put in the the hard work, whether it's uh, in the gym or on the ice or with, uh, you know, psychologists or whatever, whatever you're doing for mental training, whatever it is, then most times than not, it's going to pay off. And it is just about believing in yourself and trying to stay mentally uh, positive. So I appreciate uh, that advice. And I appreciate you taking the time, obviously, as we talked about you father three and you have a little one there so i'm sure uh your crazy morning is about to turn into a crazy afternoon with lots of uh lots of things going on yeah i'm done with kid time now it's time to go be a pro athlete it's time to go to the gym actually so yeah perfect perfect the gym you love so much as you said so, uh... <laughs> yeah exactly. pilates <laughs> class today nice but uh yeah man i appreciate you uh you taking the time and i wish you the best uh you know, this season, obviously, I've been following you since uh, our college days. Um, you know, obviously a fan. You've done well wherever you've gone. And I'm excited to see uh, how many more years you got in this. And uh, yeah, I, again, appreciate all the the good insight you've given. And yeah, let's stay in touch. Eh? Sounds good. Thanks a lot for having me here, Z. And for those listening, I uh, appreciate you again listening this week. Until next week. Cheers and ciao.